Welcome to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard. 
That was Martin Barr and A New Day Yesterday from his new 50 Years of Jeffro Tull double CD out. Uh, welcome, Martin. Hi, Jason. Hello. Uh, very much welcome on, on the podcast today. What was the sort of reasoning for celebrating Tull in, in 50 years? Is it just a, a landmark, I guess? Yeah, we've had a lot of um, landmark occasions, and I think there was only one that was ever a real celebration. And I think it was 25th anniversary, and we had a we had a big party, and every you know every all the musicians that were involved, or nearly all of them that were involved in Tull came, all the old crew, the old management, the record labels. It was so nice. It was such a lovely occasion, and, and it just sort of made it the whole experience pleasant. And, and then nothing else ever happened. Like, you know, 30 years, nothing. 40 years, you know, you know there might have been a best of token release, but nothing really stating that this was an important uh, occasion. And, and I thought, you know, 50 years, that's really unusual. I cannot let it go. And, and, you know, and people might be cynical and say, well, it's a, it's a nice commercial opportunity. But to be honest, it, it's, I just thought I'm, I'm proud of doing something for 50 years. Um, it's, it's, uh, not normal, especially in, in music. And, and, and I just think for fans as well, you know, to, to, to do something that's beyond the ordinary, uh, unpredictable, was the right thing to do so it, it was a labor of love yeah i mean it absolutely shows and, and in a way it's the kind of memento of um the, the life work that you've been doing over the past decade yeah it's all built up because when um i started my own band i think it was 2011 but you probably know more than i do because i'm not very good yeah i i was in at the deep end i didn't know what i was going to do I, ha- I had some solo material in fact quite a lot mm. But I just thought, you know what, I had that heritage of, of Tull, all that history, uh, and I wanted to build on that, but always keep my solo music on a parallel. Uh, I didn't want to lose the, the thread as, as, as far as that, that side of my music writing was concerned. But um, So the luxury was, is everything I've done, with the Martin Barr Band has been the tracks that I like, mm. the tracks that are very showcase the guitar or the guitar is the sort of central pivotal point of the music. So it's it's really nice for me to be able to just choose a set list is is the icing on the cake. You know, me and Ian used to do it together for years and years yeah. and then I think as Ian's voice became, you know, had a, a few little problems with it. I think it, you know, it was more down to what Ian was comfortable singing. So uh, I wasn't part of that equation. And I quite missed it, you know, because putting a show together mm. is the most vital part of what you do. Great. And you, you're known for, for your unique guitar style and you've been an influence. Mm. I mean, I think there was even a Joe Bonamassa who who's, um, did his own version of A New Day yesterday. Yeah. Kind mm. of inspired by, by you. Mm. Yeah, well, I, um, that's nice. <laughs> that's nice. Uh, I'm not a guitarist, guitarist, mm. guitar player, guitarist in my mind. You know, I've never been a super technical whiz kid, you know, in the top 10 of the polls. And, but, you know, I, I, I love playing 
and and um, I don't particularly play to impress, but I, I just like melody. Um, I, I, I try and be a tasteful musician, mm. and and if people like that and pick up on it, and and it influences what they do, that then I'm more than happy that that, that it I'm able to do that. So yeah, I, I take it with a pinch of salt, and, and, and I'm very flattered when people like what I do, but I guess. I don't have a lot of choice. <laughs> you know, I, I do. I do what I do, and I don't think I could change it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of that unique guitar sound, it was apparent mm. even in the sort of the years prior to Tool, where you were for a year or two in Penny Peeps, and uh, Model Village has become a real collector's mm. item. Uh, maybe for your guitar sound, <laughs> you know, that, that furious, incessant guitar mm. is is loved by a. A small but fervent band of people. Oh, right. Well, I can't comment on it because I, I don't... Somebody gave me a copy oh. and I've lost it. And it was sort of like a CD oh. of a CD of a CD. I, I certainly remember that era. But what was I... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I was learning yeah. how to play. I was learning how to, you know, tr- try and uh, get my... A good amp, a better amp, a better guitar, um, a better technique. So it was all transitional in those early days. But I, I guess the style, if it was there, you know, maybe it shows and, it, and hopefully it developed into what I'm doing today. But I mean, you know, I'm, I never stick to a sound. I don't want to be bogged down by being like a Dwayne Eddy or a Mark Knopfler or a Hank Marvin or running out of people but you know I don't want to have to sound a recognisable musician and and I quite like the fact that I can do something really different you know play electric mandola Mm. and it's still me but you know the the sound's completely removed so yeah I'm I'm, I I guess the, the sound that your finger physically produces is a big part of the sound but I try and keep all the other variables um, changing.
broader sound was you'll be able to correct me if, I, if if I'm not right was one of the reasons why you were brought into talk given that Mick Abrahams had a bit more of a narrower blues sound whereas you you were kind of more varied in style. I can't answer that question, but um, uh, uh, I was a big admirer of Mick, and I saw Tell play maybe two or three times, and and of course most people went to see Mick. Mm. You know, he, he was sort of a, very much into guitar players in in those days, and he had a great sound, and he was a great player. So I, I certainly didn't replace him, but it was mm. different <laughs> what I did, and, uh, and and I don't think anybody instantly warm to it i think the fans were a bit sort of startled by the the new music me being in the band and the lack of pure blues it, it changed but not everybody liked it so, and certainly most people didn't within the first week or two and then i think you know they sort of got to know the music and and uh and went with it a lot more but um yeah, I, I, I guess whatever I did, it, it was sort of a hybrid style of, you know, I played Motown, I played um, soul music, blues, punk, psychedelic music. I mean, I'd done sort of every style in 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 the bands I'd been in before, so it was a wide a variety of influences that I had. It must have been such a contrast to being in the Penny Peeps and then a few other bands that just never never took off and then you were playing the mm. Isle of Wight Festival. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, 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 the band before, which ended up being Gethsemane, was the same band, but changed its name. Yeah. Uh, we, we were very into it. You know, we, we didn't meet other bands, you know, maybe one or two, because we were doing clubs uh, and you know, and, and then we, the rare time we did a big gig, like we played with Ike and Tina Turner, Benny King. We played with Cream, but you know the, the, they were huge, and we were like nobodies. So we did. You know, there was no mixing and meeting the other people. So, so uh, I was quite n- not naive, but very isolated. Um, when I joined Tull, I just wasn't used to <clears throat> being right in the middle of it all and, and being in the spotlight as well. You know, I, I remember the, the week I joined, I went to, um, I guess it was the Speakeasy in London because that's where all the bands used to hang out. And it, it was so nice because rather than being like just sort of a, another punter, people were sort of nudging and pointing. And I was on the table with Jethro Tull, the band. It was... Um, it was it was really nice and it didn't go to my head because uh, I never thought it would last. But um, yeah, it, it was. I had to learn a, a new ball game. Well, when you look at the the albums stand up and a track such as Nothing Is Easy, which is also a, mm. uh, you do a, a version on the Fifty Years of Jeffrey Tull set. Um, yeah. In those early days, was it more a case of taking your lead from Ian? Yeah. Well, you know. We, we, well, you've got to remember that we were a four-piece when we started, and just having guitar, bass, and drums. So the guitar was the instrument that spoke, uh, you know, rhythm, lead. You know, it, it had a lot of work to do within that framework, and the flute doesn't carry a band musically. It, it's a great decoration and a powerful voice to have in a in a in a rock band. But but I had a lot to do and um, wouldn't say I uh, I mean I like doing it now 
I think my favourite lineup is just bass drums and me. <laughs> like, I love space, yeah. but I think in those days, space scared people. Yeah. You know, it just it just meant that you'd either forgotten what you're supposed to play, or uh, it was an uncomfortable silence. So it was just like full on a wall of sound. But I, I you know, it, it wasn't unnatural. And then uh, when John Evans joined, it sort of added to the band rather than took over a part of what I did. Um, so, yeah, I had lots of space. I had lots of solos um, and, and a, a lot of freedom. So the songs were Ian's. He was writing the songs, writing the chords, writing the riffs, particularly in the first couple of albums. But they weren't detailed. You know, there was, there was a lot of freedom within the framework of those songs.
Yeah, and you mentioned that freedom and, and John Evans there. Um, benefit, I guess, was, and Tracks Like Nothing to Say, was that starting to become more of a, a band effort there? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but, but really, it was from the beginning because um, we recorded everything pretty well live in the studio. There was no feeling of somebody, you know, like being a Frank Zappa where you sort of really told everybody what to do mm. uh, and, and, and had this sort of vision um, of the band and, and what it wanted, he wanted it to sound like. So, I mean, I, I think Ian, we were all experimenting and just sort of throwing our cards on the table and, and seeing what happened. So, yeah, yeah it, but it wasn't consciously divided into tasks. You know, we, we, yeah. we, we all had our job to do and, and uh, it was sort of, you know, four, four pieces of the cake uh, in, in pretty well equal dimensions. And then John came and guested on a couple of tracks in the studio. And, and because it was, uh, you know, a, a, another layer of, of uh, sound and interest, then we, he became one of the band. Is it all the same to you? No, I say I had the answer proven to be true. But if I were to share it with you, you would stand to gain and I'd Ch- 
Aqualung has got one of the all-time solos on there. And I, uh, I don't ever see it as one of my best solos, but I know that it's an important piece of music historically. And, um, yeah, I, I can't judge my own work, particularly back then, because it was all very formative. And, um, I mean, m- most of the solos that I did, uh, I, I just, in at the deep end and just sort of followed my nose. So, you know, it, it, it was very spontaneous yeah. and some things worked, other things didn't. But, um, I, I guess um, it's more refined, you know, the process now. Um, particularly when you can sort of have 10 or 20 goes at a solo. Uh, in those days, it, it was one or two, um, two if you were lucky. But, you know, you, you had one take and, and that was your solo, <laughs> um, you know, um, warts and all. I've read that uh, Jimmy Page was around the studio around the time of you mm-hmm. recording Aqualung. Is that correct? Yeah, they were they were recording in the basement studio at Arlen Records and... Um, but we'd been there a month at least and I'd never bumped into each other. Uh, and he just came up to say hi in the big studio and and that was when I was in the middle of the uh, Aqualung solo. Ah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so maybe he maybe he spurred me on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he made me nervous, I don't know. <laughs> One or the other. Hey, you snatch your right 
one of the interesting things is uh, Locomotive Breath from that LP. Um, although it's a, a real favourite uh, these days, and, and it was a favourite of, of the time, mm. I've heard that it was quite a difficult track to record. Yeah, you know, it's very insistent, it's very metronomic. And in those days, you, you didn't have click tracks. It was all, you know, the freedom time, you know, was came from the drums and the band. But yeah, it, it, we, I wouldn't say uh, the whole album was a, a difficult album to record. You know, the band, I think the music was getting more complicated and, and we were struggling to keep up with that level. So, yeah, yeah it, it, there wasn't any easy tracks, but, but Benefit was an easy album and just fun you know we, we never yeah. struggled with anything so so it was a um of the me- main memories just having a lot of fun recording but aqualung was, was quite stressful and uh oh yeah i think we just struggled to get the music as good as we wanted it to be but in the end it worked and you know it's it, uh i always think albums that came later in toll's career where we just had a great time, locked ourselves away and, uh, and recorded an album. W- weren't the good ones. Mm. You know, the, 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 sometimes you, you need stress and pressure. Mm. You, you need all the sort of extraneous influences to, to, to bring out the best in you. It's, um, I think if it's too comfortable, but it has a bit of a negative effect. But, um, yeah, we, we, we never realized or thought at the time. But it was going to be an important album. It was just the next album. It was difficult to record. And um, at the end of it, we were just relieved it was over and didn't think that we thought that would be the end of that. Hmm. But people picked up on it. And uh, yeah, as you know, it's sort of become hmm. one of the more, more important CDs, albums of Toll's career.
that kind of um, snowballed uh, into uh, thick as a brick, and where, where you had more, even more sort of extended pieces. As, as a guitarist, was that more challenging? Yeah, I mean, we did it in bits. Right. We just picked up where we left off on the on the multi track, but the, again, the music was a bit more complicated. We're sort of stretching ourselves to the limit, but it, it was a the, the challenge was fun, and I think we, we'd got a lot more confidence since the Aqualung album. I mean, a lot of the, the problems we had, we had with the studio breaking down oh. didn't really help. Um, yeah, and, and we've been on the road a lot in that period, so we'd met a lot of other bands. We, we'd become a big headline yeah. touring band uh, before we did Thick as a Brick. So we, we had, you know, we were super confident, not super confident, but we were, we had more confidence in ourselves and, and our abilities and, you know, we're sort of settling into what we were. We're more comfortable with the whole, we knew what Jethro Tull was going to be, you know, the, the sort of format and the vision, what, whatever you want to put it. I think we, we, we had a, that, that was more cemented. So yeah, it, but, but it was all, we were always pushing the envelope musically and, and, and we, we continued to. Uh, after Thick as a Brick as well. Mm. But uh, yeah, it, it was intense, but we, we locked ourselves away in the Stone Studio in Bermondsey. Oh, it must have been six weeks Gosh. at least. Gosh. Just rehearsing. Wow. And um, But we had fun, you know, we, we, we got on really well and uh, we, we had a, you know, we had a lot of laughs and it was a very positive, good time that we had. Really don't mind if you sit this one out My words but a whisper, a deafness, a shout I may make you feel that I can't make you think Your sperm's in the gutter, your love's in the sink So you ride yourselves over the fields And you make all your animal deals And your wise men don't know how it feels To be thick as a brick And castle virtues are all swept away In the tidal destruction, the moral malaise The elastic retreat rings the close of play As the last wave uncovers the newfangled way But your new shoes are worn at the heels And your suntan was rapidly peeled And your wise men don't know how it feels To be thick as a brick And the love that I feel so far away I 
I'm a bad dream that I just had today. And you shake your head and said it's a shame. Spin me back down the years and the days of my youth. Draw the lace and black curtains and shut out the whole truth. Spin me down the long ages, let them sing the song. I'd like to play now uh, your live version of Songs from the Wood. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of uh, four live bonus tracks on the second CD. Yeah. It's kind of good to just include some of them just to give people uh, a flavour of, of what the, the live sound that you've got now. Yeah, well, well, that's part of the DVD, which should be coming out yeah. in November. And, and it was a, a, a complete show with Clive Bunker and Dee Palmer. Wow. And the two girl singers that was recorded in America. So, so the, the those four bonus tracks are all from the um, from that DVD recording. And that that was a period where the production kind of got a bit more sort of lusher, and there was some more keyboards coming yeah. in. Was that something that you welcomed? Yeah, well, well Dave Palmer, uh, now Dee Palmer, uh, had always done string parts yeah. for Tull, and I think they became more. A more important part of the music as the years progressed, so it, it was very natural. I think we we had tried having string players on the road, mm. it wasn't a total success. So it, it seemed a natural progression to have uh, David Palmer come and play the string parts um, on stage. Yeah, it was because it was um, we were using more and more those sort of la- layers of sound, keyboard sounds. And uh, the combination of John and uh, Dave w- w- was really good. You know, r- really worked well. Uh, and yeah, it was just the band expanding and mm. sort of be- becoming even more musical and sort of stretching out a bit and uh, doing classical pieces. Uh, but yeah, D- Dave was a, a big influence on, on everybody else coming from a, a classical background. Um, so yeah, we, we, we all had a, a big part to play. And also, we were recording at Toll's own studio in Fulham. Mm. So, you know, it was a better studio. We had Robin Black engineering, who's an amazing engineer. And, and we were playing better, sounding better. It, it was, it was in a really great time in, in Toll's history. It was a, you know, sort of maximum growth. Um, and, and we were just sort of really 100% keen to, do a better album every time we went in the studio. Let me bring you songs from the wood To make you feel much better than you could know Dust you down from tip to toe Show you how the garden grows Hold you steady as you go Hold steady as you join the chorus if you can Let me bring you love from the fields Poppies are red and roses Filled with the summer rain Turning the wound to silver pain But 
life's long celebrations here I'll toast you all with penny Continued into a Star Watch from I think uh, the very very late uh, 1970s. It tracks like Home, mm. but um, it seems such a shame that um, that was uh, the last album with what many people uh, describe as you know one of their favourite lineups of, of Jeff Rotol. Mm. Um, is that kind of something that you recognise? Uh, well, yeah, I do, but but you know, I think it does. It's a disservice to everybody else yes. to, to say well that, that they were my favourite because essentially. Everybody in Jethro Tull is or has been a, a friend. And, um, you know, we, we, when you say the band's a family, mm. you know, you go, oh, okay, yeah, that's what everybody says. But, I mean, we really were. We, we worked crazy schedules. We were away three, four months on long tours in the studio for two, three months. We, we really lived and worked together. Uh, nearly most of the time. So yeah, there's musicians that, that, that were, everybody was different, but everybody brought something to the table and left something behind when they left or something happened. Yeah, I, I, I honestly do not have a favourite lineup. Uh, I mean, there, there's a sort of, mm. I mean, it's like looking at the Stones, the lineup that you think of as being that traditional Stones. Is, is the original one you know, with Bill Wyman. But with Jethro Tull, there were so many different versions. I mean, it'd be very hard to, to actually say 
one line that was the definitive one because it you know it sort of metamorphed into something else and then changed directions so sorry it's a long answer but mm-hmm. essentially uh no i i wouldn't have a, a favorite one yeah, I guess Stormwatch is known as kind of the, the last in the trilogy of um, albums that were particularly mm. influenced uh, by folk. How did that kind of influence your sort uh, of playing? Uh, I mean, mainly that the folk influences but were sort of coming into the band just from the music we listened to and the bands that we played with on the road and 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 obviously we liked them and uh, therefore got influenced by them but I mean that the, the real turning point was when Dave Pegg joined and yeah. you know, he, he brought such a sort of huge history of folk music to the band and, and again you know it, it was a very welcome and rich addition um, and he sort of introduced me to mandolin and bazookas and uh, tin whistles and rec- <laughs> it, it's it's um, I never draw lines around music and call folk a style or no. blues a style or rock a style or prog. They all mingle and merge. You know, we went from one to the other, I think quite comfortably, but never sort of stood in one place long enough to, for people to say they're a folk band, they're a folk rock band, they're a rock blues band. I mean, it's that the, these adjectives don't mean much. Mm. But we, we were constantly changing because we, we just wanted to. It's a very natural thing to do. As the dark sun breaks over sleepy gardens, I'll be here to do all things to come for you. Why don't we stop singing? Oh. 
by the time of the mid eighties, um, albums like Under Wraps, mm. um, there was kind of a bit more of again. The, the electronics uh, sound came in even more. I think uh, Under Wraps is uh, your version is um, also on your new CD. Was this Ooh. a chance to show a different side of, of that song with uh, the, the less uh, sort of electronic side of things? Yeah, well, well I, the, the, I did it because I'm, I'm going to play it live. Yeah. Because um, I and, and what I've done is taken the acoustic version and made it electric. So it's sort of, you know, a mixture of the two different versions of that song. I think that that album has some great songs on it, but unfortunately it has um, computer drums, which uh, always were and always will be absolutely dreadful. You know, I think an exciting project would be to either replace them with real drums or re-record it because, you know, the, the songs deserve to be recognised yeah. on their own merit. I think that the the overriding concept with that album is it, it sounds electronic and and it's really because of the drums. But a, a lot of you know all the keyboard parts for Peter Patessi and uh, they're all played live. You know, the, the, yeah. There's very little sequencing in the keyboard parts. And and Peter was a, a really exciting musician to work with because he he, he was just on a, another level musically. From the rest of us, so you know, I, I learned a lot playing with him, a, a lot musically. Yeah, and that's why Underwraps is on it because I, I think it's a great track.
Uh, it's a similar sort of theme uh, to a song called The Waking Edge from Christopher Nave. Uh, oh, yeah. Remodeling uh, that yourself around that period um, was quite a period of success, and I think uh, did uh, the band get a Grammy for for that album? Yeah, yeah, I think we yeah I think we deserved to get it. It was uh, I listened to it the album, and uh, I think you know it really stands out as with the songs and the musicality and and the performance. Yeah, so I've, I've never had a problem looking at my Grammy, which I am now. It's up on the shelf. <laughs> on its own mm. but I'm proud of it and, and I'm pleased we won it and I think we deserved it as a band and uh, yeah I, I think it wasn't just for that album I think mm. the general feeling was that we deserved some recognition yeah. for everything we had done and we'd made a good album so that that triggered it but the with this album the 50 years album I, I had at one point thought of getting everybody uh, I knew who was well known and having them guest on tracks and then sort of in retrospect I thought really I, I just want the people on it that, that are, are truly important to me right now mm. so you know that the fact that uh, the waking edge is my friend John Carter yeah. is more important to me than having very famous singer come and do it it's more meaningful mm. uh, and then that the girls that sing the soul songs, um, Ali and Becca. Yeah. You know, again, they're, they're important people in my life now. It's more meaningful to me rather than just paying somebody some money to come and do a session and you never see them again. Uh, I wanted it to be very personable. And it shows, and um, the flow across the two CDs works um, really well. Oh, good. As I wake up in a room somewhere Dawn light not yet showing There's just a thin horizon between me and her The edge of a half dream glowing Well you know I felt her in my dream last night Strange how the sheets are warm beside me And how do I catch the waking edge But it slips to the far and wild me Didn't I try to hold it down Breeze on the picture, hang sharp on the sound Catch the waking edge Another time Familiar shadows in my hotel room Are still here for the taking They seem to linger on as the street lights fade And the empty dawn is breaking Yeah Didn't I try To hold it down Freeze on the picture Hang sharp on the sound Catch the waking edge Another time 
good movies showing in my head. What button do I press for rerun? And how do I catch the waking edge? The edge of a dream by someone. Well, you know I felt her in my dream last night. Now the sheets are cold beside me. What I'd like to do now is is just ask you a bit about some of of your solo work, and um, particularly over the last decade. You know, you've been quite prolific in in this period, and oh, yeah. there's okay. kind of a mix of original materials and occasionally mm-hmm. there's cover versions as well. Yeah. There's uh, a, a great version of yours of Eleanor Rigby. Mm-hmm. What, what was the yeah. um, rationale for for choosing that song? Uh, I, I was a bit hesitant because everybody does a Beatles cover, and I'd heard Jeff Beck do a day in the life yeah. live and, and of course it's it's uh, incredible but it's sort of triggered a little idea in my mind that an instrumental of some Beatles song might be fun you know didn't actually think I'd do anything with it but just be fun to play around with so I, I'd actually done the music to Eleanor Rigby the way I do it a long time ago and, I, and, I, and it was actually on a cassette tells you how old it is and um, and I found it and played it. And I said, oh, you know, there, there's something there that could be developed. And um, so I worked on the you know the riffs, and it, it's a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. And you know, we, we we play that live now and again. Uh, but we also do um, she's so heavy. Wow, great bits of music. Yeah, my son played me she's so heavy on his um, super duper vinyl sound system just to to display it to me and I thought God, I haven't heard that song for years mm. and I just thought that would be amazing live so we do that one as well but there it's, it's having fun uh, I, I doubt I'd do any any more things like that uh, it's just a something little little idea Church where a wedding has been Lives in a dream Waits at the window Wearing a face that she keeps In the jar by the door Who is it for? All lonely people Where do they all come from? All the lonely people Where do they all belong? sermon that no one will hear No one comes near Look at him working Donning his socks in the night When there's nobody there 
What does he care of the lonely people? Where do they all come from? All the lonely people, where do they all belong? Oh, look at all the lonely people. Oh, look at all the lonely people. I think your most recent album is uh, Road Less Travelled, and um, that particular song, yeah. certainly the, the title of that, seems a, a bit of a, a theme in terms of uh, your, your career and the, your life in that you'll um, seem to find your own little niche for things. <laughs> yeah, I guess I do. You know, I, I, I'm, people could call it stubbornness, obstinate, uh, a few other derogatory expressions but uh, I've always been my own person and um, and when Ian decided to finish Jethro Tell that there was no way I was going to lie on the floor and curl up and retire and mm. go wherever musicians go when they don't play anymore uh, I wasn't finished <laughs> so I've got a lot of energy and I've got a, a lot of music and, and uh, I love writing I love having a band yeah, and, yeah. and I like making decisions and touring and, you know, all those things that are just so much fun. So in my mind, it was a new beginning, you know, rather than going sort of went back to zero in some respects. But in others, you know, it was a springboard for me to do what I wanted and, and have complete control over what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've never had a problem with any of it. You know, I, I know about bands I know about musicians, sort of. <laughs> I know about touring because I've been doing it forever. Um, yeah. So, so it was all a very natural thing for me to be in charge of. And writing was a, a, just a, an absolute pleasure. So, um, nothing I did was a chore, and and I, there was nothing I did that I had to do other than in my mind, mentally, I really, really wanted to do it. So I, I just, I was flat out from the beginning. Brilliant. So people can find out more information at martinbar.com and I think there's um, some mm. some signed CDs and, and photos and extras and, and, and they can look out for tour dates uh, next year, which hopefully will yeah. happen. Yeah, I mean, the calendar's full. I mean, and has been for a, a year, but it just gets put back, you know, that the yeah. and it's so we're, we're sort of looking at the middle of next year, but... 
I mean, you, you know the score as well as me. It's anybody's guess as to what's going to happen. But I mean, but you know, with um, I've, I've got the DV, I've got this album coming out, which is great, and I've got a DVD coming out for Christmas of okay. the live show uh, at the Wildy. That's going to be a, another major thing. I've, I've written a load of music, that I'll probably start <laughs> getting stuck into next year, and I've got sort of old tracks that I found. Um, in the cupboard, literally, um, <laughs> that I'm going to go through and just see what's there, maybe re-record some bits. Uh, lots of ideas. You know, it, my wife even said I should re-record every instrumental I've ever done. Wow. Because I, I used to write a new one for every tour uh, in Tull. Yeah. So there's dozens of them. And uh, most of them I've forgotten, but yeah, it, it'd be another project. Yeah. And I think it'd be nice to do, just to sort of get, get them on a CD. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always going to be busy, but I'll never be satisfied. Although we've kind of looked back in a way, it's great to end uh, the show by looking forward and um, looking forward to, to all the great things mm. that, that will come and all the projects that you, are currently germinating. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you, Martin. Um, mm. It's been brilliant. Thank you, Jason. It's very nice to see you. Yeah, but I mean, I, I love talking about music. Nothing better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. When did I change? Swim against the tide
Thank you for listening to the Strange Brew podcast. If you do like the show, please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online. It's 10 years since I started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time. All your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests. To support me, just go to thestrangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the homepage. Thank you very much. Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.